Hello, everyone out there in Geek Vibes Nation. This is your pal, Dane Alves, with another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show that weekly we go over the news and uh, review some of the best in wrestling across the world. You know, we, we, go, we go everywhere. We, we even go to space. There's actually a Mars Wrestling League that we cover now. I'm just kidding. Either way, we do this show uh, usually Wednesdays at 7 p.m. EST, Actually, let me make that Thursday, 7 p.m. EST. That was our old show. Sorry for new listeners. Um, but, yeah, Thursday, 7 p.m. EST, and then Saturdays at noon. So check it out. I'm also with my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Hey, Chris, um, do you think I'll ever not fuck up our uh, new date that we're on? I hope not, because I, I think people need to remember the original Wednesday Night Wars, which is just me and you yelling at each other about uh, – <laughs> Nia Jackson shit. <laughs> or, you know, back God. in the day when I would bury Enzo. That's, that's uh, the, <laughs> before the burying ages. Enzo was cool. <laughs> I mean, Respect can you believe we've been doing this show for, we've been doing this show for like, what, two and a half years now? That's That in itself yeah, is uh, kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, man, I'm having I'm having a good weekend so far. Waking up, having some beerios. Uh, how's things going on your end? It's going good, man. It's going good. I was uh, catching up with a little bit of wrestling this morning and doing some notes and, uh, you know, just having a, a nice little fine Saturday. I have, um, since it's not the nicest day out, it's kind of cold here in Georgia. I know maybe I shouldn't talk compared to people out there. Like, I feel like my northern relatives in Massachusetts are like, it's cold? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm going to spend today cleaning around the house and stuff like that. Uh, probably drink way too much caffeine and just go full blast on it. Uh, but uh, on another note, uh, not to try to you know bring things um, a bit in the the sad realm, but uh, quite a few wrestlers have passed. Uh, some are more familiar than others, and I wanted to kind of give our respects over here at Wrestling Geeks Alliance and just a big shout out and a thank you and a rest in peace to uh, The Rock's father, Rocky Johnson. Uh, one of the first uh, African-American tag team uh, champs, along with uh, Mr. USA, Tony Atlas, Uh, Kendo Nakasaki, uh, La Parca, the second La Parca within AAA, and Wildman Pampero Frepo, uh, all of them uh, passing uh, within this last week. Uh, You know, some pretty big hits. I would definitely check out, if you only know Rock or Rocky Johnson as The Rock's father. Go check out some of his tag team matches in the WWE. The Soul Man was, I, I think, the most impressive thing is his physique that his son definitely um, has himself. And just being a part of the, uh, you know, the legacy uh, within that time period with him and Tony going against, you know, with the, the Wild Samoans, which were both his brother-in-laws, I believe. Um, just, uh, you know, some some sad wrestlers, Kendo Nakasaki, uh, uh, you know, uh, Wildman, and then La Parca. So just to clear it up, I just I hate doing this, but I want to make sure everyone knows. The first La Parca that you know as the chairman of the board in WCW is L.A. Park. Uh, this is one that AAA donned after he left AAA, and they gave the alias to someone else. And later on, he would copyright it, which changed the original one to go to L.A. Park. But still, he was a huge wrestler in Mexico and an innovator over there as well. Much slimmer than uh, L.A. Park. That's kind of the difference between the two of them. But big losses. He actually, unfortunately, died from an incident uh, 
in the ring where he took a bad bump to the outside, just a very, very unfortunate situation. And, uh, you know, in Mexico, I kind of hope that they, you know, between this and some of the other incidents as of lately, tighten up a bit on, uh, on spots. But, uh, yeah, um, anything to say about any of these uh, wounded uh, – or not wounded, uh, fallen warriors. Let's say wounded warriors. Yeah, um, the the loss of Rocky Johnson obviously is, is a big one for wrestling in general. Absolute legend. Well-deserved of being in the WWE Hall of Fame, even though I think they may have put him in there for the wrong reasons, obviously, to get the, the Rock to give a speech, etc. cetera. Um, but if you watch any of the old school San Francisco stuff where Pat Patterson was on the card and Rocky Johnson was on the card, he was like the number two, number three in that company as a singles competitor. I know a lot, like most WWF fans are going to know him more for his tag team with Tony Alice, which funny enough, they like disliked each other very heavily, which is why that thing didn't last probably longer than it could have. Um, but as a fan of Georgia championship wrestling, he was also someone that was brought in here for like a long period of time. Um, and, and, and top of that card. So that, that, that's very, very uh, sad. I heard that, you know, kind of the surroundings, he had been sick for like a week and his family was telling him to go to the hospital, but probably much like me, he was like, no, I'm going to be fine. Um, so the passing apparently was pretty sudden and, and uh, thoughts go out. If, if you guys follow rock on Twitter or Instagram, definitely go check out his post. It came out yesterday, kind of four days after um, where he ta- talks about his father. And if you haven't read uh, and you want some great Rocky Johnson stories, I recommend The Rock's book that he did when he was in WWF at the time, which I think was – it's called Just Bring It, I believe. It's a it's an autobiography that's like kind of co-written, um, but there are some great stories about The Rock growing up and, and meeting some wrestlers and being at Rocky Johnson's shows and, and just some of the uh, the reason he decided to go by The Rock um, in general. So I would check that out. The La Parca thing, very sad. Uh, I think as American wrestling fans growing up watching the original La Parca and WCW, it's easy to be like, well, that's a, a copycat, but he left and Triple H or Triple A, not Triple H, Triple H, no, uh, Triple A kind of took the, <clears throat> they kind of took that gimmick because it, they, it belonged to them. They, you know, it's, a lot of this happens in lucha wrestling all the time. If someone leaves Mystico is a good example. Um, they took that gimmick and saddled it on, uh, you know, the, the new La Parca. And I think that, you know, he was a top guy there for a very, very long time and had some good matches. The incident he had is very unfortunate. I mean, it's a move that we see all the time. Uh, it's just like a, a plancha or a suicide dive. He didn't get caught. And he also hit the guardrail. Um, it's just a very, very unfortunate thing. And that incident, I think we talked about, like, I want to say it was like two months ago when it originally happened and there was just no news that kind of came out after afterwards. Yep. Um, so very, very sad passing there. And, uh, Ferpa, uh, I didn't know a lot about this wrestler. Um, but upon researching and finding some more out, the cadence in which he talked in the ooh, yeah, that Macho Man used to say actually kind of came from this guy's promos. Um, the other thing is he has some interesting stories of how he got his name, specifically around the boxing Jack Dempsey. And those of you who don't know Jack Dempsey, like Raging Bull, the movie is based on Jack Dempsey. Um, I know that he's 
he wrestled and I want to say he was part of like Polynesian wrestling that was ran by uh, the Rock's grandfather, actually, at one time, Peter Maivia. But uh, outside of that, I didn't see a whole lot of his work. I did go back and check out some of his promos. Um, and someone I definitely want to dive into, but once again, uh, sad, sad loss. And uh, there was one more, Dane, and I don't want to slaughter the name. Is it Kendo Nagasaki? Yes, sir. Okay, and I know the big thing that he was known for here in the States, at least, was Dusty Rhodes brought him in um, to kind of be their version of Muda or their version of uh, – oh, man, of course, I'm going to forget the guy's name now. Kabuki? Um, Kabuki, yes. So he brought him into the territory, kind of saddled him with that gimmick, and then I know he wrestled in Japan afterwards for a long, long time. Once again, someone I'm not very familiar with outside of – like him working with Dusty, but uh, it's always sad to see these guys pass, man. It's uh, it's 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 really rough. I think there's lots and lots of good stuff on, and I'm gonna plug Wrestling Observer here. But Dave, being the historian he is, he goes into each of these careers over the past week um, in a lot of detail. So I would recommend checking out that and checking out the newsletter if you want more of a deep dive. Unfortunately, I, I think the one I know the most of is Rocky Johnson. But, uh, yeah, so rest in peace, guys. I, I mean, it's always sad to see. Like I said, it's always sad to see wrestlers pass, especially if, if you've ever seen the guys work at all and have any kind of connection with it. It's it's a little rough for sure. <coughs> oh, excuse me. All right, so let's give uh, 10 seconds um, for the, you know, wrestlers that have fallen. All right. We'll move on with the show, and uh, just because it kind of is close to me also as a uh, – just a reminder, keep up with your health. Um, fortunately, uh, my father a couple of years ago survived diverticulitis, but it's something that he put off and kind of had that same hard head thinking that he just had some stomach problems and ended up being something serious that he almost died from. So the Rocky Johnson part definitely came close uh, for, for that concept. Just if you think something's bad – Go see a doctor. Check it out. And, uh, you know, all these other guys, rest in peace. Let's move on with the show, though, and talk about, uh, God, this subject. Uh, All right, so there is a lot of stuff related to Impact. Um, I'm going to be going over the Tester Blanchard um, controversy, if you will, um, on Monday. On Monday, suck and really dive into that. Uh, Other than that, there was also another thing. Uh, related to Impact, and I don't think they're as worried about it now that Access is owned by Anthem, the company that owns them, and they're going to be on their, you know, or they are on their weekly. Kind of sucks for me because it's the reason or the way I was able to watch Impact, but uh, Twitch has banned Impact Wrestling, and most people are are, are going uh, to the segment with Mr. Rob Van Dam, the whole effing show, uh, in which it was progressively him getting it on with his uh, girlfriend, Katie Forbes, and Katie's girlfriend, Jennifer Barlow. Yes, his girlfriend's girlfriend is how he explained it. And after uh, basically cheating out Brian Cage and beating him up before the match started and then having a rather short match with Daga, uh, and I think that was actually Brian Cage's last thing involved with Impact, but we'll get to that. Uh, RVD had some segments on the newest episode of Impact, 
in which him and the two girls were in bed. Let's just say by the end of it, the girls only had on uh, G-strings and uh, whipped cream. And, uh, yeah, I guess that was too much for Twitch. I will take a little personal shot at Twitch that I completely get it. Same time, I, I just love how, you know, alternative models or, uh, or uh, quote-unquote cosplayers uh, that have Patreon accounts will have, you know, their Twitch streams with them barely wearing anything for, like, you know, the younger youth to watch. Uh, but they're playing, of course, Fortnite, so who gives a shit? But at the same time, whatever. I guess this was a little bit too much, too extreme. It is free. They do have a lot of children on there. But I, I still kind of find that funny as being a skeptic. So come at me, if you will. Uh, but this whole thing's just very, very uh, uh, pretty ridiculous. Um, but that's how it is. And now Impact is no longer on Twitch. Chris, how, how do you feel about Rob Van Dam going as, you know, kind of one of the innovators and, and legends and, and kind of coming into this as a heel, but like taking shots a little bit at Kenny and the Young Bucks for their shots that they took at him, if you will, on one of their shows. And, but now it's evolving that he's becoming Valvinus. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel about Rob Van Dam and all this and uh, Twitch telling Impact to get the fuck out? So this is uh, one of those things that goes back to the attitude error because, like, imagine if some of the shit that happened on WWF would be on Twitch. It would definitely, definitely be banned. I mean, this is – to me, it was like – I mean, definitely PG-13, but nothing insanely crazy. I like the Rob Van Dam heel character in the hot tub. I also like that he's taking shots at people that were basically, to me, burying him in a sense. And talking about how great Jerry Lynn was, which I think we have a separate conversation on that in the in a past show, or at least we've talked about it offline. Um, I, I yeah, like apparently that. he uh, apparently he um, Jerry Lynn uh, carried Rob Van Dam through those matches. Yeah, Rob Van, Rob Van Dam, Ray Mysterio, or anything like that later on, or Sabu <laughs> at that time. Yeah, apparently Rob Van Dam was never a good wrestler and shouldn't have carried the heavyweight title in WWF and been the top guy there um, for cause Jerry Lynn. <laughs> That's what I took out of that. So him taking shots of them, whatever. I mean, it, it is what it is, right? So uh, I, I I like the Rob Van Dam Hill persona. At first, I was like, "That's weird. They're turning him heel," but I think he's playing playing it kind of straight, and it, it makes sense. Um, as far as a Twitch band goes, I don't know how it works for a company, like a promotion where you're doing like a live tape or a taped show that you're streaming or whatever. But I know generally when you get a band, you can be unbanned. It's like a suspension type deal similar to like if you get banned on Twitter or one of those things. So I don't know if this is like they're completely done from Twitch. Um, I do think as a, a television company, like as as being on Access, it's not necessarily the best thing to stream your product for free because uh, you're just basically losing viewers as far as your television network goes. But once again, not everyone has access. It's not one of those. I mean, I think most people, most cable packages have it at this point, but it's not one of those. It's like in every household, like, you know, TNT or something. So the whole thing's a bit weird. Um, but like, like I said, as someone that grew up in, in the nineties and watched like, some of the shit WCW and WWF was doing, um, or even watch like a movie like Varsity Blues with a whipped cream bikini. That's PG-13. It's not 
look, your kids are going to see some shit, especially if they're on Twitch and on the internet. So I, the banning, whatever I Twitch has got to do what they got to do. But yeah, this just seemed very, uh, very to me, not the most offensive thing I've seen in wrestling for sure. Yeah. Or yeah, I I completely agree with you. It, it is a bit silly to me, you know. Like I I know of because I follow a couple of them on Instagram and they do great jobs. There's a couple like, uh, like girls that do full body uh, paint and then go and play Twitch and it's like, so you realize that there's a large portion of boys that if if that were available back when back in our day. You know, we'd end up watching it, but I don't think we'd be watching it for the video game skills. So, um, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't care if anyone think, does that, but I'm just saying the blurred line is kind of silly to me. Well, I think what plays into it a bit is the the idea of sex, like the the actual the way that they played that in that yes, they were going the at action. sex, the action itself more so than just being scantily clad. Because I know that they've banned um, <clears throat> certain video games in the past that have like sex in them so like indigo prophecy is one that you technically can't play on twitch because there's a scenario where you can have sex in that game if i'm remembering correctly there's a few of them that are like that so i think it's just a hard stance about like the actual act itself um yeah it's 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 weird because like twitch is a little bit of the wild west because they're only monitoring the stuff that's at the very top <laughs> you get into some of these channels that have like 15 viewers dude it's the fucking wild west out there uh i don't think i would like that job as a content monitor for twitch and i'm like watching oh, like a 12 year old play Fortnite. you know what i mean <laughs> i think you're gonna get a broad spectrum of shit going on on twitch at all times i mean same with youtube or anything uh but yeah, like I said, I think it's more of the fact that they insinuated the act of sex being had versus like just skinly clad type deal. Yeah, uh, whatever. Let's move on um, to uh, something that's kind of related to Impact uh, because it's one of their wrestlers, actually, the guy that uh, got beat. See, the thing is, he didn't lose a match. He got jumped beforehand, but uh, was having a rivalry. Uh, their past champion, Brian Cage, the Terminator, the machine himself. Um, it was reported that Cage had his choice between AEW and Ring of Honor. Um, I also heard reports that he had NXT um, on the plate. Ring of Honor wanted to give him, quote-unquote, the Marty money or the highest dollar. I don't really know what the fuck that is, but whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, that whole entire thing next. Um, but he turned down Ring of Honor, uh, and he won the exposure from All Elite. Now... A lot of people were reporting this as if it were true and that he signed a multi-year deal. It was reported by his wife, Melissa Santos, uh, that he hadn't signed anything on the dotted line as of yet. And that was, I believe, on the 12th, so a couple couple days ago. I don't know if anything has changed. Uh, There was also additional rumors that apparently he wants to go to New Japan. But let's just play with wherever he goes. I think that Brian Cage, based on his size – the fact that he has a physique like a fucking Goldberg or, or an Ultimate Warrior, but he's able to do, you know, Lucha Libre, uh, probably because he was trained by a very underrated wrestler, not so much persona, but with Chris Canyon. I know that he his three favorite wrestlers and ones he modeled himself by are the three Chris's, his mentor, Chris Canyon, Chris Benoit, and uh, Chris Jericho. Got a lot of Benoit similarities. I think that he would actually do really well in AEW, 
him and Kenny have joked online and, and the, at the thought of the machine versus the Terminator, if you will, between the two of them. Um, I think that he would fit in really well. He's a big guy, so he can go against people like Wardlow, Luchasaurus, um, Jack Hagar, and be able to give in and build a division of big guys, but also be able to perform with people like Pac and Kenny Omega and be able to do some of the crazy stuff that he's known for. If I were to put him in, in an AEW, for instance, I probably would give him an undefeated streak. I know that can be annoying and stupid, but this is the type of guy that I think that you could do that with and really, really create a monster. Um, NXT, I, I could see him in. I, I just don't – Vince scares me because the big guy concept, he likes them, and then I have to worry about if he does something positive with them or not. Uh, New Japan is very intriguing, very much like Killer Cross how we don't know where he's going. We were reporting that last week, um, and the fact that he's also interested in New Japan. See, that would be cool uh, as well. I think Brian Cage would be very well over there. I'm not going to pick Ring of Honor, though, because even though they're finally putting money into it, and we'll get into that with the Marty story next, I just don't – I don't know. I, I, w- I would prefer Cage in other places. I'll just put it that, that way. But, uh, Chris, you hear this. You've heard all the rumors. Let's believe that Melissa is right, so it could be possible different places, or it might just be true that he is going to AEW and she's denying it. Who knows? Where would you like to see him go, and what do you think that AEW potentially could do with Brian Cage? Well, I like your idea of an undefeated streak, and with AEW presenting wins and losses on their records already and having people that have already been on undefeated streaks. Like for instance, Chris Jericho hasn't lost a singles match. I don't think it's as big of a deal as when they do it in WWE. I think the reason it doesn't work in WWE is because everything else is 50, 50 booking. Um, So you don't have any strong dominant wrestlers because everything is like, well, I won this time. So you win the next time Um, as opposed to like, what they've done in AEW and building that loss. And like, you think about like what Boxley's done and what Jericho's done. They're both, if I'm not mistaken, undefeated in singles competition. So having another guy come in and go on a streak doesn't seem as crazy of an idea. Um, Now, would I have him go in there and demolish people in 30 seconds? Probably not, but you could still have him be very dominant and get some strong wins against uh, some good talent. My only fear there is they have Wardlow and they have Hager and neither of them have really done anything other than be bodyguards. Um, (laughs) What I would hate is they bring him in and he's just someone else's bodyguard. You know what I mean? Like that would be worst case scenario. That being said, I know all the reports came out about AEW and then they kind of, kind of dialed it back. And I wonder if that comes from AEW wanting to protect that, the surprise of him showing up. Um, in some senses, uh, if he went to Ring of Honor, I would hope that he would work out something similar to Marty, where he can still go work other places like New Japan if he wanted to. And uh, I, him, his character, his build, and kind of what they're doing on NWA right now, I think would fit in perfectly. So I, I don't want to rule out Ring of Honor altogether, especially if he can do something similar to what Marty Scrolls doing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the big thing is like. To me, he was one of Impact's best talents, and it kind of sucks that they lost him. 
I think he's fucking pretty damn good in the ring. He's definitely got the size, you know, the athleticism like you were talking about. But uh, to me, I feel like he's probably going to end up in AEW. And I think your booking scenario of booking him like a Goldberg, maybe not to the same extent. Don't like rye back him up or anything and have him just destroy fuckers. But um, you, he can go on a strong winning streak and, and look good there. And, and I think that's actually the only company where that would work. Uh, in the current landscape of wrestling. So I, I like it. I think it, if they pick him up, that'd be a great signing. And I don't, are, are we going to talk about AEW's upcoming TV extension? Yep. Okay. So, will be. okay. So getting that additional TV time, which we'll talk about in a bit, will also help them develop some of these characters. So uh, I think that's like the perfect fit for him. But I would love to see him in New Japan because they just don't really have anyone like him right now. And, you know, he'll be working with – he would be working with some great-ass fucking people like him versus Evil, for instance, even at a mid-card level. Yeah. Amazing. Or ridiculous Haas battle with Ishii, you know? Yeah, or like him versus Minoru Suzuki – well, Minoru Suzuki versus anybody at this point, right? Honestly, if I was thinking about it, uh, I think it would be cool if Killer Cross, if if he were to go to New Japan, if he doesn't go to NXT, which is probably where he's going to go, because Scarlett Bordeaux's there, and that's his uh, fiance. Um, God, him joining Suzuki Goon only to dupe Suzuki and like nail him from behind and start like a feud between the two of them would be awesome. Uh, I think Brian Cage and Killer Cross would do really well in Japan. I really do. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I, they haven't really had anyone like that since like Gallows left, or uh, God, I'm trying to think of Prince Albert's New Japan name. Uh, they haven't had that like big. Uh, no, no, no. Um, God, is it Matt Bourne? He's a trainer in the in oh, NXT. Yeah. He was yeah, part of Matt Bourne. T- yeah, so when he was there, he was like that big guy. Um, I guess Jay White's kind of the closest thing they have to that. Like Brian Cage, though, is like a fucking monster of a man so is killer cross so like bringing someone in like that it you know and putting them against someone like coda that the that's a little smaller that the fans are clearly behind um you could do some great shit there too so i would be down with either of those guys going to new japan honestly yep all right well let's uh let's talk about marty scroll uh marty's staying in uh, what you call it, Ring of Honor, which is not where we, what, what we thought was going to happen. Uh, I don't think anyone did, but apparently uh, Sinclair Broadcasting decided to give him what Metzler says as WWE main roster money. I don't know which main roster member that is. I'm assuming it's someone that's big in the company, but you know that's I mean we can go from Mojo Rawley to AJ Styles when you when you think about that. But I'm I'm sure we're, we're believing that he's giving money now. Now the thing about this is though. This is true. Help out fucking some of your roster because you got exposed pretty pretty bad when you fired um, Kelly Klein, I believe is her name, uh, the woman's champion, and and we found out how much she was making. And you, besides Marty, you also have people like Jay Lethal, the Briscoes, uh, huge names within there that could do big things in other organizations. So just uh, yeah, that that that's my opinion on that. But anyways, uh, Skrull is gonna get. Big raise. Uh, he is going to be allowed to go to New Japan and I think work with a couple other organizations that are kind of related with Ring of Honor. 
Uh, he's underneath Delirious now. Uh, it was first reported that he was going to be head booker that was then taken back uh, by Metzler, which reported that he's directly underneath Delirious and going to be working a lot just with him for uh, booking uh, decisions of Ring of Honor. And he's very hopeful to try to, and I don't know what it would really work out for some of the other organizations, he wants to keep a relationship between basically um, uh, AEW, New Japan, uh, NWA, Ring of Honor, and like AAA, kind of keep them all working together, and especially extend a hand to AEW. So, hey, if Sinclair's going to finally start putting money in the product, that's good. I think Marty really cares about, uh, you know, well, I'm, I'm sure that the, a lot of money influenced it, but being able to take over Ring of Honor and, and try to take it in a new direction. Um, I know that he's booked wrestling over in Britain from uh, stuff that, you know, uh, that he's worked on over there. So he has he has uh, some credibility on that. Um, he's going against Nick Aldis for the NWA title. He's good friends with all the main people over in AEW. He gets to go to New Japan. There's a lot of pluses to this is what I'm saying. Uh, with him doing that, and uh, it just sucks, though, at the same time that it took them to get rock bottom for Sinclair to start giving a fuck, because uh, they knew that they were losing its biggest star with him leaving. Uh, but, yeah, take care of Lethal, too. Uh, I want to I want to start a, a hashtag for that. Uh, but anyways, love Marty Skrull. If he can do all this stuff, great. I think he's very hopeful with AEW, but I don't see why AEW would really need to do that. But, it seems like, just like his friends over at AEW, just like Cody and the Bucks, his mind's in the right place of trying to change the industry and uh, work together, if you will, against the evil, evil, evil WWE. I'm just kidding. That was just thrown in there. Chris, what do you think about Marty Skrull, the villain himself, staying with Ring of Honor? So I think, like, bottom-level main roster talents, like 250K, um, I'm assuming that he's making more mid-tier because I know AEW and WWE both offered him contracts, which would have had to have been matched by Ring of Honor. Now, maybe they substituted, like, also you can help book and do whatever the fuck you want, and sometimes that goes a long way um, because he'll be able to make money in Japan and probably make money from NWA, and, and that probably supplements a little bit of that income. Um, I, I guess the big thing for me is... It's almost like he knows that if Ring of Honor doesn't work with other companies, that they're kind of done. Um, so them signing him and being a big deal and he already having that relationship with New Japan and being a big name they can book around might help that relationship between those two companies. And I think maybe that was like Sinclair's hope. The, the biggest thing is like if you're a Jay Lethal or the Briscoes, like you said, or even someone like Dalton Castle who's been there <laughs> kind of in the shit for like the past two years – how do you not go and say, I want my contract renegotiated or fuck you. I'm not working these dates because like, that's what would happen in football. Like it happened here. I mean, just to give a reference, a wide receiver got paid more than Julio Jones, who arguably is the best wide receiver in the entire league. And he just goes, I'm not going to show up until you guys pay me more. Um, <laughs> it's just a really weird thing, especially because it's so well known that he is getting paid this top roster money. And, and I don't know what lethal makes, but I don't think it's, anywhere near probably what scroll is going to be getting paid for this. Um, and the fact that they're trying to bring in more talent, that whole thing to me is just fucking weird, man. But uh, him looking under delirious, 
that's off to delirious. I think he had booked like almost 500 shows straight himself during a time period where Ring of Honor doesn't have the talent because it's been eaten up by MLW and Evolve and like name a company. <laughs> the guys that like Ring of Honor used to get are completely different. And I would say this for Ring of Honor fans. I don't know that it's ever going to go back to the head, heyday of like mid 2000s to 2012 Ring of Honor just because the talent is just getting snagged up everywhere. There's so many places to work at this point. The best thing you can hope is getting some stars like Scroll and booking a good show. And uh my biggest problem with Sinclair in general is they they took too long. <laughs> to kind of pull the trigger on starting to get these guys. There's more competition than ever. Um, and their show's not on a consistent channel. I mean, it's on Sinclair Broadcasting, but it's sometimes like here in Georgia, I think it comes on at like 1 a.m. in the morning or something. So I don't know. Like, it's weird. I think it's cool that he's going to be able to work with NWA and, and New Japan and <laughs> Ring of Honor. And I think the the idea is maybe New Japan, Ring of Honor, and AW obviously at some point with him being friends with the elite, being able to work out something where they can trade talent. That would be best case scenario for Ring of Honor. I think I hit your questions, but maybe I missed something. Absolutely. Just let me know if I did. No, you did, and uh, I think that's 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 the thing is like, all right, well we'll we'll just say this. I mean, Impact's on an island. Uh, they kind of do stuff with MLW, but they've been doing that less and less, and they they kind of work with some other people. But it seems like. You know, as much as I, I, I talk crap about Rig of Honor, if, if Sinclair's going to finally do this with them, Anthem has impact by itself. They do a little bit with – no, actually, I think AAA's now not working with them either. AAA does it exclusively with AEW and MLW. Um, and then you have Ring of Honor, who does stuff with New Japan. New Japan does stuff with CMLL. Uh, so a lot of them are interconnected anyways. You have AEW. I think AEW, for being able to cross-talent, give the boys – Places to work and stuff like that, especially on major platforms, help expose each other, also including the NWA within all this. I think it's beneficial for all those companies to kind of work together. Now, that's not including AAA with CMLL because they would never do that. But at the same time, a lot of these other companies, having people go to New Japan for a little while, come over here, work at Ring of Honor, some of the smaller name guys, some of the other guys go over to AEW, really try to work. The way that WWE is building themselves with all these NXT properties, be you know, just working together over here in the States is extremely beneficial. I'm going to go into uh, a little bit about what we were talking about last night with an idea that Okada has that can cause maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, relations between the Japanese companies, which I think is huge. But before I say that, do you have anything else to uh, close up on Marty Scroll? No, I think it's good that people are finally getting paid in Ring of Honor, and I like – yes. I like the idea of him being a booker under Delirious because, like I said, that guy's been carrying that book for so long with some good talent here and there, but not a whole lot to build around. And maybe Sinclair will bring in some people, like some some wrestlers, and, and that'll be great. I know Alex Shelley's coming back. If he's not going to sign with NXT because he's not under contract right now, that's like would be one of my top signings if he, if he wants to go full time again. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I don't have much else to say about ROH. All right, so even to kind of like go into the same concept, if you will, talking about New Japan, uh, you, you brought this to my attention last night. An awesome concept that who knows if it will happen because it takes a lot of egos getting over themselves. But the past – or the longest reigning, but uh, the 
last uh, IWGP heavyweight champion, the future torchbearer, the rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada, has proposed a super show between New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Japan Pro Wrestling, and Pro Wrestling Noah to celebrate Tokyo Olympics 2020, in which he'll be providing one of the, the lit torches for the Olympics. So kind of give a, uh, since it's going to be in Japan, obviously, give a, a highlight to professional wrestling, since they very much take it in a very sports uh, which is the reason why I love New Japan over there. So it makes sense. And to show all people that Japanese, um, uh, you know, is, is back basically and have these companies work together within all this. Now, we kind of talked about this, Chris, last night. New Japan, even if they have like a bunch of cross matches or whatnot or maybe a battle royal or if they do like a tournament, say, uh, probably not like the G1. I would actually assume it would probably be more like a uh, King of the Ring style one. Uh, determine the best. I got to believe that at the end of it, New Japan wins because they have the most spotlight and they have the more popular company. But do you think this is possible? And even on New Japan's end, do you think that they would want to do this just because Okada proposes it? I am like, first and foremost, let me say that what they're doing with the Tokyo Olympics in, in Japan so far has been incredible from the, from the, them taking just anime like Goku is the official mascot. Like all of the top anime characters you can think of are going to be represented um, as like mascots. Like they're already doing Olympic gear with all of them on it. So all of these different creators getting together and showing that respect and then hearing this come out makes me think that there's a good chance of it happening. If it's me, you take the aces of all the companies, your Okadas, et cetera, and you just book you know, a three-way match and you do a time limit draw, whatever. It doesn't matter because Okada's in it. It's going to be fucking amazing, but <laughs> you could do that. And then on the lower end, um, you know, there's a bunch of other stuff you could do. What I would love to see is like companies like WWF or all elite wrestling, um, American wrestling companies back this concept as well. And you build something Olympics. You could, you could get some people from the UK in there. You could get some people from America in there. And, like, really make this, like, an Olympic wrestling show, like, fighting for your country kind of thing. And, you know, you give everyone a win. You just find the way it works out best. I think that would be great. I think it would be awesome if you could get it in one of the Olympic pre-shows. Um, it's something that's never been done before, but I think it's – or at least to my knowledge, it's never been done before. But it's just a really cool concept. And, uh, man, I'm, like, excited for the Olympics. I'm the kind of guy that, like, watches, like – the was it Esquarian, like the horse <laughs> training medals and stuff. Like I'm just addicted to it. I'll just sit and watch like the Olympics for hours. So like the thought of professional wrestling, maybe not being part of the Olympics, but like being a part of the pre-show or, or being involved in it. And these, these Japanese companies have been in each other's throats with pro wrestling, Noah and all Japan and new Japan for years, seeing those guys come together and work, even if it's just one show, would be monumental and, and something I would love to see in my lifetime, um, especially at the level that New Japan is now. Oh, man, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting a woody just thinking about it, Dane. Not going to lie. Oh, wow. Cut wood. <laughs> um, I'll take it a step further, and I've said this beforehand, and it's never going to happen, and people are going to think I'm crazy. And for, for one thing, they don't, I don't even think have the normal wrestling involved. Uh, or at least that was last time, but I think they may maybe added uh, actual Olympic wrestling back. One of the oldest fucking sports. 
Um, but I will say there is a way to have professional wrestling in the Olympics. In the, I know people think that I'm, I'm insane, but if you take the same type of judging concept that you would apply now to skateboarding or, or snowboarding is the best example, where there are a race type of concept, you know, which would be however many, up to two, racing to see who wins by whatever, and then also a stunt type of concept. So if you're in snowboarding, you're doing, you know, a maneuvers that you've worked on basically to find out from judges who had the most impressive performance. That's the same thing if you have the Olympic style wrestling where there's a winner. And then you say you have an American team, a Russian team, you have whoever, and you have two wrestlers, you do two different types of things, unless you want to do a tag team, that's altogether a different thing. But you do it where you rehearsed a certain strategy and you, you pull it off. Obviously I think Mexico would have a really, really big advantage on that um, and Japan as well. But that's what you go for, and then you do another one where you just call it in the ring. And then the judges, based on who has the best athletic performance, since that's still a fucking thing, if you want to do tag team, that's another layer altogether. And that way, every country has good professional wrestlers within there. They can all represent their country. Um, But that will never be looked upon because everyone looks at the storyline aspect of wrestling, the entertainment aspect, but it's still a huge form of athletics. So even though you wouldn't have an American going against a Russian per se, you could still have a Russian team built for a wrestling match and whatnot. But I wish that, I guess it goes back to wishing that wrestling was uh, viewed as, you know, athletics and, and, and it's still brutal. And, you know, a lot of the things that us wrestling fans have to deal with, with, uh, you know, fucking annoying people out there. But uh, anyways, uh, any other comments before we move on? Yeah, I like the concept of Olympics, but I think it would be so lost on people with knowing that there's a predetermined finish. It's almost like you would have to have a control, like just a trainer or someone for all the people to have a match with, like one poor dude that has to have like six matches. You know what I mean? Because otherwise you're just putting it's it's just going to be whoever has the best chemistry. And that makes it a little weird. Um, I like the idea. I think that having a show like an actual just show on the pre-show though, like a big deal um, is probably the closest we'll ever get. And I, I really do love this concept. I hope they roll with it um, and make it happen. I think it would be good for all of these companies. There's no loser at performing on the biggest stage in the entire world, which is the Olympics. I think it does like 43 million viewers or whatever. So, uh, and that's, I think that's just here in the United States or whatever. So I, I don't see I, I don't see why you wouldn't want to do this as either a company. And I also, if you're WWE, you know, put put Vince's ego aside or whatever. Um, oh yeah, I would be wanting to I would be wanting to get involved in this and maybe put some money behind it because I think it could be a huge fucking deal for anyone involved. And like I said, if you build it into like an Olympic cons like idea where there's going to be medalists. And you do some kind of tournament format, and you book it in a way that makes sense for all of the wrestlers. It could be an incredible thing. And while it's not like an actual gold medal for like Okada being the best in the world or whatever, you can still do it and let fans know like, hey, this isn't this isn't actually part of the Olympics, but it's part of the Olympics kind of thing in quotations, especially with it being in in Japan this year. Uh, 
I, I love the idea, and I think there, there's a lot of legs to it. But uh, out, outside of that, we can we can move along if, if you're ready. But I, man, that would be incredible for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on to the next subject. Uh, something that you were talking about beforehand. Uh, AEW. They announced that they have a new extension with TNT. Uh, it's going to be an additional four years, uh, 175 million, uh, just under 45 million per year. Uh, and the deal includes TNT to have the option of 2024 at the uh, at an increased pr- uh, price. Um, the main things with this is that there's going to be a second show. They said that AEW Dark is not leaving. Uh, they want to have – what the hell was it? I think it was like four hours of AEW. So they're going to keep AEW Dark and then have a second show altogether on, I'm assuming, TNT. I don't know if they can put on TBS, but on the main platform of TNT – uh, which is interesting based on the schedule of what they can and cannot do uh, with sports and who they're competing with. I know I, I don't think they have any want to try to compete with uh, a major football. I don't think they want to compete with Raw or SmackDown. So it'll be interesting to find out where they put that second show. But TNT is that happy with the product itself uh, as of right now that they're giving the go for another show, for an hour show. On uh, on television and also uh, giving an extension of the uh, contract between them. That's pretty awesome, Chris. How do you feel about all this? So I believe the TNT representative they work with, uh, Kevin Klein, I want to say. Maybe I'm getting his name wrong. Um, he came out and said that it's going to be kind of like AEW Dark. Uh, what I would assume that they do is they do it on Tuesday nights and you have like kind of a pre-show on YouTube and you're like, okay, now switch over to the TV to see the rest of AEW dark and you book a strong match going into it. But the thing I like the best is with as much talent as they have, one of our big complaints is like, explain to us who this person is a lot of times. And this gives them some more time to do that. Uh, I think it's cool. I, I, the biggest thing I took out of this is, as Tony Khan came out and was like, I knew doing this would be a huge gamble, and I didn't expect it to be profitable in its first year, but it is, and now we're extended until 2023. So, like, people thinking that AEW is going to disappear, <laughs> I don't think that is the case. Obviously, TNT is very happy with what they're doing. Uh, they've won in the ratings the past two weeks, hitting between 900,000 million viewers. And I think being able to establish these characters on a different night, whatever night they choose, uh, is only going to benefit them. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. But great news for AEW and good news for wrestlers around the world because some of this talent's going to rotate out. That's how wrestling works, and maybe we'll get to see some big names get signed. Revival's contracts are coming up soon. <laughs> Matt Hardy's contract is up in March. Who I think yes. the perfect leader of the Dark Order. Uh, hey, did you hear, Chris? Now. Since you, yeah, I was about to say, did you hear that it was it was uh, possibly going to be Skrull, or that's what uh, AEW was pitching to him? And now that everyone what... wants. Yes. I, I I just their thing is so cheesy to me that it, it's cheesy in a good way with the video promos. I think the wrestling's kind of bad, but I feel like people would get over it if you get Matt and Jeff Hardy. Uh, 
<laughs> and they're the leaders of the Dark Order or whatever. Dude, or maybe... if that happens, though, that opens up another concept. <laughs> we have to get Darby Allen versus Jeff Hardy in a fucking match. Please, for God's sake. Yeah. Well, hopefully Jeff Hardy can get healthy and get his mind straight. Um, of course. I mean, the guy's been through so many injuries. It's easy to pinpoint, like, this man has just addiction problems, but, like, watch Jeff Hardy wrestle, same as Kurt Angle, (laughs) and you might realize why some of that exists, you know. But, yes, that would be awesome uh, to take it to a more happy spot. Uh, That would be awesome. I would love to see the Hardys on AEW. I think they're a good fit. And also, if you haven't seen it, the ladder match where they dropped the titles to the Young Bucks before WrestleMania – Go check that shit out before they showed back up on WrestleMania. It's absolutely phenomenal. And having a tag team like that that you can put together when needed um, would be incredible. Like seeing the Rhodes, like Dustin and Cody versus the Hardys. There's so much you can do with that. And uh, I mean, Matt, obviously, to me, is the perfect leader for the Dark Order because they're already kind of a little cheesy. Scroll, I think, would take that in like a very serious direction. And I don't necessarily – Yes. It seems kind of it seems kind of like a mid card gimmick, but like if you put Matt Hardy and strap the rockets to him and he starts cutting the promos he was cutting when he was an Impact before he went to WWE again, uh, it could become a big deal that people get behind. Yeah, man, uh, just cool stuff all around. Very excited if that were to happen. Uh, yeah, best best of Jeff. I, I shouldn't jump the gun with that, but. You know, obviously, JR is kind of trying to approach the Enigma concept moniker, if you will. I forgot what the hell he called him. It wasn't the charismatic Enigma, but he was definitely doing comparisons in the thing. And Chris Jericho says the same thing. That's one of Darby's favorite wrestlers. So I always like if I get a chance to see, you know, past wrestler versus that. But, yeah, I want Jeff to get better. I think that he has an extension anyways because of the time that he's had to take off, obviously. So who knows when he'll get off his contract. But Matt Hardy as a leader of the fucking new order. And I'm going to like the new order. It's just going to work out really well for them. So anyways, I don't even know how we got on that, that subject. Uh, AEW having more TV is great. Please develop your fucking shit. Please use this time to develop storylines and introduce people properly and give more women's wrestling matches. Since you guys have such a fucking great division, try to give them more matches and, and screen time is what I would say. Four hours is great. Just don't do anything overboard and don't make it the B show, I guess, or or at least establish it as the B show, uh, even if it is. Any last comments, Chris? No, I mean the reason we got off on the tangent with people signing is just the fact they're going to have more talent rotating in and out with more TV time. That that was it. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. Don't make it a B show. And if it's me, put the if you're going to do shit on being the elite now that you have an additional hour of TV time. Put it on fucking TV so I know what's going on with yes. Hangman Page, and I don't have to go watch fucking YouTube. Yep, I agree completely. All right, well, uh, let's get to – got two more things to cover before we go over the Wednesday Night Wars. Um, this one's uh, – I don't know. It, it, it's really cool, and it, it, the story itself has a lot of heart to it, but I know that eventually it's going to have – you know, if, if, it, if it actually, you know, inevitably happens, uh, there's going to be controversy. And it sucks because I don't think that uh, David really deserves it, but David Benoit, or David Christopher Benoit, I should say, uh, he got in the news because we found out 
I think two years ago, he was training with Lance Storm. Uh, then last year, there was a picture that surfaced with him and Tony Khan at an AEW show. He found out that there was some uh, some problems with WWE that's now been um, uh, basically uh, worked out, if you will, where officials were pretty aggravated with him wearing an AEW shirt to uh, a show when he was backstage at WWE. Uh, he says in this interview with Chris Van Vliet, who, if you don't listen to his interviews, if you're a wrestling fan, check out Chris's interviews. They're phenomenal. And this was definitely one of them that's up there for me. Him and Jericho, to me, are two of the best wrestling interviewers out there. And, um, you know, he, he, he actually says that uh, WWE had him kibosh from coming, to, coming backstage for events uh, for a period of time because of that, which I find silly. But I think the biggest thing is that he said within this, Talked a lot about his dad, talked a lot about stuff. Apparently, he asked Chris for this interview that he wanted to specifically go into this type of stuff to get it off his chest, which I think is very brave of him since we all know what happened with Chris. Um, And uh, he's still, you know, he's been working over there, but he's getting back into training. He's had partial training, like I said, from Lance Storm. Uh, Natalia's helped him out with some stuff, but he really wants to go full gun-ho into it. He wants to work. uh, You know, he didn't rule out WWE, but... I think that he's realistic, but mainly his two goals are New Japan and AEW. Another person we're talking about eventually being on the market obviously needs a lot more time to get fine-tuning, but if you look at someone that's somewhat comparable, uh, you know, Brian Pillman Jr., really, really nice guy. I met him, uh, I think, a year ago um, at that backstage brawl or whatever the fuck it was, a crazy-ass thing with Ken Shamrock and um, and filthy Tom Lawler, but... Um, you know, he, he has gotten immensely better and shown the potential that he has inherited from his father, and he's approaching it with trying to get better at that in-ring ability that his dad had previously uh, as Flying Brian Pillman, but his persona is more hyped up to the the uh, the later days of his father, which is a great thing. Basically, using him as an example, he did it in a short uh, period of time. David has some experience. Uh, he had a match with Chavo Guerrero, I believe, against two other people he was talking about. So if he gets fine-tuned, I think that you could see him pop up in something like an MLW, which would be fucking awesome, or, or other things. But he wants to get to New Japan. He wants to get to AEW. Those are his two places that he would like to go to the most. Uh, he wants to go by Chris Benoit Jr., uh, bring back uh, you know, some, some credence to the last name and to the value of the wrestler that his father was. He also said some stuff that I don't know if I agree with, but that's due to the magnitude of what happened, even though obviously it was a lot of uh, issues with brain damage, what Chris did. He said that potentially that he could see him still getting into the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, He said that he has made uh, even some of his dad's old uniforms fitted for him. I mean, he's bulked out like his dad, not as bulked out, but I'm sure he would get even more so. But he's like 6'2", which is pretty interesting. So he has like his red uniform, and I think he said his blue one redone. And he's actually talked to Our Lady Peace about him using the theme music uh, because WWE didn't have it licensed because it wasn't theirs. Uh, very cool. I will give fantasy booking if I because I always will. Love to see him and Pillman actually make a tag team between the two of them and just go full-blown into it. You don't have to have some stupid moniker that has to do with them being sons of their fathers or whatever the fuck. Just the two of them, similar concept. I think they would be a great tag team if David were 
you know, apparently he does a lot. He was saying that he does suplexes. He knows how to do a lot of that type of stuff. He likes to do the stuff that his dad did. He likes technical wrestling. So seeing the two of them paired up would be awesome, especially approaching AEW like that. If he takes on the Pegasus Kid moniker in New Japan, that would also be awesome. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that. Um, I want the best for this guy. I really We've talked about this a long time ago when the picture surfaced with him and Tony Khan, but I want him to be able to fulfill this because I couldn't even imagine knowing what he had to deal with, seeing his hero you know, waking up and finding out all that information. And I would definitely recommend checking out this interview with David. It's very telling. I want him to do well in wrestling. I don't know how he is in the ring. I'm going by what he says, but I don't think he would be bullshitting. And I think that there is a lot of potential in him bringing a lot of uh, value back in the name of Benoit. Chris, how do you feel? I would love to see it happen. Unfortunately, it's he's wrestling two different shadows. Like you always talk about like standing in your father's shadow, like Charlotte Flair, right? Like her dad's Ric Flair. That's a, that's a big deal. Or you, you see these father son combos like Cody um, with his dad being dusty. He's wrestling with two different kinds of shadows. He's wrestling with the legacy of how fucking great Chris Benoit was in the ring and the tragedy of what happened with Chris Benoit at the end. I don't think WWE ever touches that name for the Hall of Fame, especially in today's culture. Um, Maybe 10 years ago or five years ago, they would have pulled the trigger on it, but it's just one of those things that's just very taboo that I don't think people have necessarily healed from. I'm still a Benoit fan. I think he's a great, phenomenal wrestler. Obviously, the circumstances around that, very sad. Um, It happening here in Atlanta, there was so much coverage of it. Uh, so it still sticks out. As someone who watched that following Raw uh, with Vince doing a complete tribute show and then all the details leaking out, it was a weird week for me watching one of my favorite wrestlers from WCW in WWE at the time. I, I think that's going to be the biggest obstacle to overcome. Um, if he ever went to WWE – they would either have to acknowledge Benoit and put him in the Hall of Fame and acknowledge that maybe concussions had something to do with this, which I don't think they ever will just because of the lawsuits that's been brought against them, uh, because he's going to want to use that last name, I would think, right? Like, uh, he's openly said that. Uh, he definitely he wants, wants to pay tribute to it. He wants to use – I mean, and this is I, – I also think – I don't want to say it's unrealistic, but he wants to go by Chris Benoit Jr., not even David Benoit. Uh, that would never happen in WWE to me. Yeah, I, I mean, but your idea of Pegasus Kid in Japan, if he can get to that level, and I, if he wants to do that, I would say he should see if he can get into Shibata's camp and go train as a young lion. Um, though I did listen to a Rocky Romero interview where Rocky Romero is like a main translator for Shibata, and he has to explain to people like why Shibata is such a hard ass. Uh, that was on that was on Wrestling Observer Live, I think, with Alvarez recently. Um, I think that would be where he's going to stand out the most. One, because it's Japan. Uh, while they know Chris Benoit, he's he wasn't at the same level there as he was here. It's probably something the fans there could get past. I feel like building your name and stock there and stepping out of those shadows is the way I would personally go. 
especially if you want to pay tribute to your father. Um, it's just it's just one of those things. Like the Von Erichs, their their story is also is tragic in a lot of ways, but the Crispin Wall one is amplified by the actions he took before taking his own life. Um, it, it's just a weird one, and I think it's unfortunately for him. I I don't think that people are going to be able to disconnect those two things unless he goes somewhere and proves himself. Um, and Japan is probably Japan or Mexico. I think would be probably the two places to aim for. Um, but I mean, who knows? It takes it takes one guy. Like if if for instance, if you're going to do it in America, I think you work with Jericho. You get this guy trained up, and you put him in a thing with Jericho, and you have Jericho cut heel promos and really put this guy over as a babyface. The question would be, would Jericho want to do that, and would that work with today's well, culture? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like That's uh, the crazy thing. Fortunately with him, he was talking about it uh, with Chris uh, Von Vliet. He said Jericho is one of his biggest um, – like he's constantly – updating him. Jericho's been the one one of the guys that seems to be motivating him to come back into wrestling. Probably convinced him, I'm assuming, to go to Lance Storm school when he was interested in it. But then he left, obviously. Uh, so Jericho talks to him all the time, really wants him to do well. Now, I don't know if he wants him to be approached for EW, but I also feel like, you know, I think I think that people maybe not, maybe not so much Tony, I, I don't know, but Jericho, Cody, I feel like both of them would kind of want to embrace this kid and try to like fucking help him out. Uh, unlike WWE. And honestly, I don't blame WWE at the same time if they don't want to get involved with this, but I could see AEW being positioned differently. He just needs experience. And that's why I think that new Japan would be perfect for him. Yeah. Like, get him I in the dojo, get him good, get him over there. Let him bring back value to Pegasus kid, still tribute his father and then come back over here and kick ass in AEW. I, I think the the disconnection between the continents would work well for him um, because the b, b, WWE shouldn't do this. I mean, they have stockholders and it's they already have a hard enough time getting like TV sponsors. There's a lot of things that would be a turnoff on having this guy on their product. So I, to me, WWE would be like a pipe dream just because of Vince and kind of what they went through and the backlash of that stuff. It just, and this is, it's not his fault like at all. Right. Like that's what I'm saying with the shadow thing. It just, it sucks. It's a shitty situation. It's uncomfortable to talk about, um, which is why I think it took a lot of balls to just come out and do this interview and say that you want to do this stuff. So props on him. But I, I think Japan would be like, Anywhere in Japan would probably be the perfect landscape, or Triple A if he if he can get some yeah. ends with Chavo. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird situation, and, and I think this is like like I said, as far as like legacies, like like I said, you, you know, if your dad's Dusty, Dusty Rhodes or your dad's Ric Flair, like that's hard. But if your dad's Chris Benoit, who's also a great fucking Jesus. wrestler, and there's that. On top of it, the other thing, um, yeah, man, I, I I really feel for this guy. Uh, it's it sucks, and hopefully, what will happen is he can go somewhere, like like we were talking about, show his wrestling skills. 
hopefully get really fucking good, um, and then talk about everything else. You know what I mean? I just don't think it's going to happen in America because that that name is always going to bring that to your mind because it was such a tragedy. It's you know it'd be like if Charles Manson had a son or something and became a famous musician. We're like, well, yeah, but well, that's Charlie Manson's son, which is probably a bad comparison. But you get what I'm like? There's yeah. gonna be that lingering thing that hangs over you no matter what. So the only way to break through it is like, go have a bunch of five star matches in G1 or something. Um, it sucks, and maybe one day we'll get past it. But <laughs> looking at people's reactions to things that aren't as serious as this. <laughs> I think that it, it that's it's tough it's tough sledding, and then like I said, I do feel for this guy. I think there's a lot of places that will book him and and work him. Oh um, yeah, Core Power would bring him in in a heartbeat in MLW. Uh, there's certain there's certain places he can definitely go. It's just going to be interesting. I I hope the best for him, and uh, you know, it's just a it's a it's a like you said, it's a really shitty situation. I think the best idea would be Pegasus Kid, but I do I'm glad that he has. People like Chavo that have his back, Lance Storm, the Hart family seems to really have his back. Jericho is constantly trying to get a hold of him to make sure he's doing well. So he knows some of the higher-ups in the industry. It just depends on what happens uh, once he starts training again. And uh, hopefully this will be a very positive story coming out of this. Yeah, right. I, I would uh, Before we move on, I would just say if, if you want to do Japan – you somehow got to get to Shibata and train with Shibata and go from there and then yep. do the Jericho match in Japan. Yeah. Because I think the I Jericho agree. match is, is, is the big, cause Jericho is big in Japan. It's name recognition here. You can build the story around it. To me, that's, that's the thing that would push it over the top where you can turn the situation around. But uh, yeah, just sadness all or, around. And here- I, Here's a cool concept. You have uh, you have Chavo uh, in the place of Black Tiger going against Pegasus Kid. And that would be awesome. I'm, I'm totally down for that. Um, I I I just want to I just want to give a shout out for him having the balls to do this interview and him personally yes. wanting to do the interview. I think that takes a lot of courage as someone who has dealt with suicide in his life. It's not necessarily an not easy good. thing to talk about. And and once again, this is like one of those things that is. It's more complex than even that. Um, but, yeah, I I like that. I think that Chris Chris Van is – he does the best fucking interviews in the business. That That's what we should aspire to be, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. He obviously gets some of the best. So he's props the, on him. I would – He's the he's the best non wrestler interviewer, and he's definitely probably even up there with Jericho and Austin of uh, being able to lay it out, but – just very impressive. From Cena to fucking to Marco Stunt, always has a good interview. Yep, and, and definitely right. everyone go listen to it and form your own opinions and 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 message us if you want to talk about it because I feel like this is something that you could talk about for a long period oh, of time. And that brings up something, uh, you know, on a more lighter note, uh, you can uh, tell everyone right now where they can follow you on Twitter, Chris <laughs> at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. On Facebook, Christopher.R.Patton. On Instagram, at Chris R. Patton. So that's all of my, my tags. 
And I was requested, uh, even though I hate the platform, sorry Twitter, you can go fuck yourself, um, by the Geek Vibe Nations, uh, you know, some of the other members that I should probably get a little bit more on social media on Twitter. So you can find me at my new activated account that I'm actually using this time at Danals42 on Twitter. So hit me up. I had some uh, fun messages, Chris, just a couple of them, but were kind of negative uh, towards me that I, when I reopened this account. That's interesting. But either way, if you guys want to talk about <laughs> wrestling, I'm now on Twitter and available. Let's talk about our last subject, the fight tonight. Yes, this is MMA, but, you know, we approach this stuff as well. Me and uh, Chris, I think, are just combat sport fans in general. I used to love boxing back in the day. And uh, we have the returning Conor McGregor having a welterweight main event. Probably, uh, I think Joe Rogan said one of the biggest main events without a title in UFC history. And I do agree. Uh, going against the Cowboy, Donnell uh, uh, Kiroki. Uh, or, yeah, is, is it, did I pronounce it right? Yeah, Kiro, Kironi. Yeah, Kironi. I'm sorry. I fucking, I'm terrible at doing this. Donnell Kironi. Just call, just call him cowboy. cowboy, bro. <laughs> the Cowboy. Goddamn. <laughs> But uh, Connor has a record of 21 wins, four losses, uh, and Donald has uh, 36 wins, 13 losses. Uh, this is a pretty damn stack fight, welterweight match tonight. I'm excited to see it. Um, hopefully, I'll watch it live. If not, I'll definitely catch it by tomorrow. And I'm trying to look up his uh, mixed martial arts record. He had two losses. The Cowboy had two losses recently. Uh, one against Tony Ferguson uh, after a three-win uh, streak. He's had a pretty damn good record and beaten some huge names, I think, including Eddie Alvarez. Let me make sure about that. Yep, he beat Eddie Alvarez, uh, UFC 178. Uh, Conor McGregor, obviously, uh, less fights in general, but also with less losses. But recently, his loss to Khabib really humbled his ass. If you watch the press conferences and see how nice he was, he even did a video of him breaking down his antics uh, in the past. And it seems like it was kind of embarrassing for him. Uh, We all know there's a little bit of persona with uh, Conor McGregor, but he definitely stirs the fucking pot and then also gets people to buy the fight. Look at him and Mayweather, which I actually watched that fight with my good friend, uh, Mr. Christopher, brother Ray Patton. But uh, looking forward to this fight. I think the biggest thing, Chris, within this, do you think – Connor is done if he loses tonight, or if not done, done, probably has like a couple other fights under his belt and then is going to slowly get out of uh, UFC. Or do you think he has the potential of winning? I think he has the potential of winning this time because there's not as much coming off of that Mayweather spectacle. He's been training. There's been people saying that he's in the best shape he's been in, in years. Um, I think he's going to come back strong, especially with all of the, the things, him hitting the old guy in Ireland for not taking a shot, all of this other stuff kind of surrounding him. I think this might be kind of his comeback to her. The other thing is we haven't gotten the Conor McGregor from the past two fights. Like you're not getting the, I mean, I know he's done some promos, but it's not to the level of what it was with Mayweather going into his next UFC fight. It seems like he's taking this one more seriously. I think Cowboy's a great fighter, and if Conor McGregor shows up and he's just cocky asshole Conor McGregor and didn't train for this fight, he's probably going to lose. But I don't think that's the case in this one. I think we might see a return of 
McGregor. I could be completely wrong, but like, we'll see. Um, it's going to be a great fight. Definitely watching it tonight. It's going to be incredible. It's uh, something I've been looking forward to. Not as not not as much as a Wilder versus Fury, but uh, this is <laughs> this is one I've had marked on the calendar. If he loses, I think that he'll. I think that he's going to do – I feel like him and Mayweather are eventually going to do something in UFC or not in USA or it may be a different MMA-type deal. I could see him spawning his own kind of gym. He's already got his own whiskey company. I mean the guy's already made – I mean he made, what, $17 million off that Mayweather fight. It's not like he is starving for money. Um, so he can do yeah. whatever the hell he wants to do. I know the big question here is like is he ever going to come to wrestling? And my answer would be that – the amount of money it would take to get him there, even at a Brock Lesnar level, would be astronomical. Because as big as like Lesnar was, he was never Conor McGregor big in the UFC. No. He was never seventeen million dollars with Floyd Mayweather big. No, but if you think about it, and I, I'm obviously going to put his skill level above hers because we were talking about the beginning of the female fighting industry. I could see him doing something possibly like Ronda if you compare it to her instead of comparing it to Brock. But I agree that Brock is nowhere. He, he you know, it's it's not the same type of popularity or level. But one thing for that, he's only 31. So if they give him a fucking huge contract for one year of him working, maybe getting a title and then ending at WrestleMania, but also if you want to come back, it's up to you, dot, dot, dot. Like, do you have the bug now? I could see that happening. I could see him... Just saying, fuck it. If he loses to me, this is going to be kind of, I mean, I don't really know how you come back from that. That's just how the, the fighting game is. Uh, you know, we saw it with Rondo. We saw it with Chuck. We've seen it with so many fucking fighters that finally they're just, they're never the same. And you can have an Anderson Silva type type of situation where, well, besides the leg break, uh, you know, you lose and you finally get your comeuppance, but then you have some fucking amazing fights afterwards. Um, I just don't think Connor would want to stick around for that. I could see him trying to do something with Mayweather, um, but I'm not sure. I hope, I kind of hope he he wins because I think that UFC honestly needs stars. I know that sounds ridiculous, but he is a star. He is a name. He gets people to fucking watch the fights. My question to you, Chris, is if Connor were to win, do you think this could happen like in the first couple rounds, like the first or second round? And after being so humble in the press conferences, do you think he turns it up to 100? And he doesn't give a fuck after he wins, uh, especially when he's talking to Joe Rogan afterwards. Do you see that happening? I could definitely see him shit. turning up to 100. I definitely could see him talking shit if he gets uh, – I, I feel like he has to get a win in the first couple rounds. I don't think that he wants this thing to go the full, the full length. Um, I mean, he's kind of known for being a striker, so I would look for him to try to end this thing early. Um, and definitely, yeah. If he if he knocks this guy out, or you know, if he knocks him out, like he's definitely going to go full tilt, Conor McGregor, hundred hundred thousand miles an hour, uh, which will be great like for Vince. everyone. <laughs> yeah, walking like Vince, the Vince strut. Uh, I, I I'll, I'll say this: if you watch Conor McGregor, he talks so much shit before these fights, even like the ones where he was very dominant. 
Um, but he does go over to his his opponent afterward, and he's like, "Hey, you know this shit was all like just me being a." It seems like it's that's show. what happens at the end of those. Yeah, <laughs> which was the thing with him and Floyd. Like him and Floyd went at each other harder than I've ever seen any anyone go after yeah, each other. It was all bullshit. And then, and then they flew home together. So like, what I'd say is like, don't be a mark and don't get worked by Conor McGregor. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't get worked. UFC fans. It's wrestling in some sense. When you get to that level where Connor is, it's it's a little bit of wrestling. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a lot of bit of wrestling. All right, well, let's talk about some Wednesday Night Wars. Um, we'll go through AEW first, and we'll go through uh, NXT, and then we'll talk about a little bit about the ratings. Uh, AEW definitely won again. And uh, I, I'll say this. I think that... <laughs> I was just going to say, say fucking I, baffling to me because AEW's first hour was terrible. Well, there is that. Um, I'll say this. I think that AEW had some solid parts. Um, I think that the, the main thing I would say, certain things I couldn't stand, but uh, the commentary I think is getting uh, better between the three of them. I think that JR's committing a lot more and trying to uh, not be as grumpy old man as he was, uh, which is a complaint. I think Excalibur is learning how to, you know, give punches back and kind of just be a part of the camaraderie. I think that Tony's getting in there. I like that they signed Taz. Hope that they do some really cool stuff with him because uh, I thought that he was really well with Excalibur and um, and Jr. And I, I'm just liking their commentary. Now, other things we'll get to. NXT, I think that their problem is ever since that they had that huge bump and increase due to uh, having wrestlers involved for Survivor Series. They haven't made the shows as, 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 uh, as big, if you will. Uh, they're kind of like old network NXT shows, which is great, but when you're competing, uh, if you are competing, which, honestly, at this point, who gives a fuck? At least we're getting good wrestling. USA's not worried about NXT. Obviously, TNT's not worried about AEW, but either way. If you are going to try to have shows with the Dusty Classic, something that you're known for, you've got to have a lot of exciting things in and outside of it. And it's kind of been on neutral, I believe, for the last two episodes. Good stuff, but not a lot of uh, stuff to keep the eyes towards there. All right, so we'll start off with AEW. Um, this started off with it just came right into it. Bash the Beach, they did a little short tribute to the wrestlers that we previously talked about. And already in the ring was Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, the best friends, proud and powerful, and the Young Bucks. Um, I actually really like this match. Uh, I think that they are trying to pay attention to the tagging concept a hell of a lot more. Um, there was a little bit of confusion later on where everyone went to the outside, and even Tony uh, Shivani kind of called out about it. Like, I don't even know who the legal man is. I kind of remember that it was Trent Seven and Kenny Omega, and they fucking got back in the ring and, and started it as the two of them. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it was pretty much, I hate, I hate this term, but a spot fest. It was craziness, 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 nonstop. I will say that I really like Ortiz. He needs to dial it back to me a little bit on the cat shit. I, I, I think it's funny, but at the same time, it comes <laughs> off a little bit favorite. cartoony. It's my um, favorite thing. Does <laughs> I love uh, it? <laughs> and then uh, 
best friends, man. I, I really think Trent Beretta, I've said this a million times, is a single star in the making. Uh, Young Bucks were awesome. I like how they were working with Kenny and the relationship that Hangman was kind of having with them. They thought that they were cool, and Hangman takes advantage of it. And uh, he pins Chuck Taylor uh, after Kenny hit um, the V-trigger, and then he got a buckshot, which is pretty cool. I like them as a, as, as a tag team, but I know it's going to implode because of where they're going. I don't know how I feel about the drunk gimmick because we've had real incidents like that in the past with Hawk where they kind of talked about it, Jake Roberts, Scott Hall. But, you know, it's, it's, this is obviously storytelling. I don't think that there's any type of correlation in real life. So there's that. But uh, Kenny and uh, Heyman won. And once again, the Bucks didn't. I, I, I find that it's whatever. Um, that's my only complaint. Um, how'd you like this match, Chris? I, I agree with you. I think it was just all over the place. I liked the match. I thought it was very exciting. It's just when I f- was looking at NXT during the same time period and seeing what they were doing, that's like the tag team shit I actually want. Um, and you know, once you get over like a three V three for me, I just kind of lose interest because it just ends up being just a lot of shit with people all over the place. I liked the finish. I like what they're doing with hangman page. I don't, the alcohol thing is only bad because people have done it so shitty. I think his is more like, God, I need a fucking drink. I can't deal with this Kenny Omega asshole anymore. Not as much as like, I'm a full blown alcoholic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think they're doing it kind of well. They're only doing it like after a match when Kenny's talking or like, like they did the previous week, he went into the crowd and had a beer. The way he like longingly looks at it, like he's just like, fuck my life. Um, it's very different than what they were doing with Scott Hall, who was just fucking wasted or like, you know, like Hawk is an alcoholic and he might kill himself. Like it, it's way different. I see people drawing the comparisons, but I think that's a different gimmick, different company. Hangman's obviously fine and friends with these people. <laughs> Let's just, just calm down. Um, and I kind of like it because I feel like that it's just, it's, layers. It, it's basically it's layers and they're giving him something to do because he's not necessarily the best on the mic. So giving, you know, it's like if, if you're playing a preacher in a play or something, right. And you want him to have something dark about him. You could have him like rub his hands together a lot or like constantly be OCD or put, put some extra layer to it. And I think that's kind of what they're doing with the booze, which is kind of smart. Um, we'll see what comes from it, but I mean, it's going to be the implosion. I like the tag team. I like him and Kenny together. I'm glad to see Kenny's getting some wins, uh, but fucking in comparison to that NXT first match, dude, like, <laughs> I don't know, man, this show kind of put me off on the first you know, hour. I'm not going to lie. You know, it's like if you took the tag team division that AEW had and you just keep Undisputed Era, but you do the the tag team booking that NXT had, you'd probably have some of the most perfect fucking tag team wrestling. I, I think that's the Whatever. most frustrating part. It's That's the most frustrating part, right? Like, you look at all the people in this match, and you're like, they're fucking all incredible. And then the matches, it just, to me, well, it falls apart. If, to- we don't have to, if Tony Schiavone doesn't know what the fuck's going on... The incredible thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think Tony's got to be paying attention. If the Bucks don't know what the fuck's going on since they're the ones booking the fucking tag division. Ugh. Anyways, 
afterwards, we had another cool thing about this first hour, and then I think that it started plummeting pretty shortly after this. Uh, but Cody came to the ring to give his answer to MJF's uh, stipulations for the match. I love that he called him out and, you know, kind of put or tried to put some tension between MJF and Wardlow, saying, this guy looks like this, you look like that, what the fuck is going on? He said that he would do pretty much everything. He'll take the lashes. He'll he'll uh, fight Wardlow in a cage match, and he won't touch MJF. And just uh, really just showed, once again, how Cody's batting fucking high when it comes to interviews, especially when it comes to passion within those. And on, this, on the opposite front, why MJF is so perfect at being one of the best heels in the business by his – way of doing things, I'll just put it that way, we'll get to having a fucking shirt that said, I banged DDP's daughter. Jesus Christ. Uh, anyways, how, how I did didn't you know feel about, about that. Cody? That's awesome. <laughs> That's fucking great. How did you feel about Cody's, uh, Cody's promo, Chris? I can't stop. I'm going to cry. Uh, 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 I loved Cody's promo. And what I would do with this lashes thing is Tommy Dreamer Sandman. Like, make it look fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, not that, like, Cody needs more people to get behind him, but that's what, like, turned the world or the world of ECW around on Tommy Dreamer as being aided. I mean, that's the famous storyline that made him the the face of ECW and their big baby face was Sandman whipping the shit out of him with that cane. So if they're going to do that and do a cage match, dude, I'm looking forward to that pay-per-view when he finally gets his hands on MJF and they're doing a great job of keeping me invested in the storyline. So this is like the thing from the first hour I liked the most was Cody Rhodes, which is a common theme on yeah. AEW. Cause I think he's, I think he's fucking great right now. I'm telling you, man, Cody and MJF and Jericho and Moxley, they're building those so fucking well. All right, and then we had – actually, this was pretty good, too. I, I like Joey Janela's promo in which he kind of, like, dismissed both uh, Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian and talks about his next, ma- uh, his next match with Ray Phoenix. I thought he come, came off pretty intense. And I like – there's something about Joey Janela as much of, like, a – uh, you know, a a, a uh, dirty Jersey creep that he comes off. Uh, he's still fucking uh, charismatic, man. I don't know. How'd you feel about this promo? I thought it was fine. The storyline to me just has Kevin Sullivan written all over it. Like they're redoing the woman, Chris Benoit, Kevin Sullivan feud. And as someone who didn't know that that was a thing beforehand, um, it's been kind of hard to get invested in, uh, but I, I like it. It's it's fine. It's just kind of middle tier for me. I thought the promo was okay. He does this weird Mick Foley thing, but he's not Mick Foley, and he's from Jersey, and I don't know. I don't know how I feel about like the way he decides to voice his promos. Oh, yeah, he's totally doing the Foley, man. I, I completely agree with you on that. Um, all right, so then we had uh, probably my favorite thing that happened on Wednesday night. Uh, Brandy Rhodes, Mel, and Luther entered for their tag match. Uh, Statlander came out and immediately got in Brandy's face, but Mel got between them. When Sheeta entered, uh, Luther blocked her way to the ring while Brandy and Mel attacked Chris. Ikaru hit Luther with a kendo stick and got in the ring. Good old Luther. You know, uh, Mr. I was Chris Jericho's best man, and that's why I'm here. Uh, God damn it. 
So then we had Chris Sandler and Hikaru Shida going against Brady Rhodes and Mel. And uh, inevitably, Satlander pinned Mel after a pile driver. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I could have cared less for this match. I don't know what the fuck's going on <laughs> with some aspects in the women's division. I really like Chris Statlander. Uh, very much how I feel about um, Odinson, who's a wrestler, American wrestler that's over in uh, Japan in the tag team. She is like a ultimate warrior, but she can actually work. Um, I kind of dig that. I would stop doing the boop thing. I think that's fucking stupid. Kind of throw on some intensity with interviews instead. But what are you going to do? I don't get Luther. I know that uh, this happened because um, Austin Kong got injured. So Brandy had to step in, but it it's not good when Brandy looks like the more accomplished wrestler of the two of y'all uh, with Mel. And I kind of thought this was a clusterfuck. I don't really like where this is going with uh, the Animal Collective or wherever the fuck they're called. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's basically how I feel about it. Uh, Chris, didn't you love this match? No, it's fucking bullshit, and I usually watch AEW first, and I switched over to NXT during this. Like, it, there was botches all over the place. I like Strat, Statlander. I think the gimmick's kind of cool, being an extraterrestrial or someone I, who identifies as an alien. I think that's a fun thing that you can get behind and fans can get behind or whatever. But she missed, like, a backflip front face buster that just looked like – the whole match looked like shit. And then at the end, we get more of the Nightmare Collective, which I want very less of especially because they already have the Dark Order, which is basically the same fucking thing, minus cutting hair, I guess. Um, like, did Kevin Sullivan book, like, 40 minutes of AEW? Like, you get the well, we're gonna your girl do promo. Is, uh, so we're going to have <laughs> you come into a cave, and then you're going to say there's no Hulkamaniacs there, and you're going to see some fucking water, and there's going to be steam coming from there, and there's going to be a guy that's going to be, like, fat, and he's going to be like the emperor, and I'm going to be in my Taskmaster outfit. <laughs> the best part about that is when Hulk Hogan touches the water, and he's like, it's not hot. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, so I tuned out, and if you're watching these shows side by side, um, Alex Shelley and Kushida were having a match on the other channel. <laughs> like, the fuck? I'm not watching this. All right. Um, then we had another promo for the Dark Order. Thing is, this whole promo, him talking to this, uh, you know, the higher power, the executive, whoever the fuck he is, the main guy in charge with his distorted voice. I, I like these promos. But the thing is, if this is Matt Hardy, I'm going to be down. If it's not and it's someone stupid like Luther or the Blade and the Butcher, I'm not going to have any type of, like, care at all, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want to strangle someone. Uh, so there is that. Uh, how would you feel about this short promo for The Dark Order? I I liked it. I like their promos, um, and they've had some decent matches. I, I want to see where it goes. Th- this one I'm not as hard, like, against as the the Nightmare Collective or whatever the fuck. Yeah, just Brandy isn't a heel. She's just not. Like, to me, she's always going to be Flip Gordon's manager. <laughs> like, I know as shitty as that sounds. It's really hard to have the best baby face in the world be married to a voodoo heel. It's just fucking weird. Uh, but, yeah, I like the Dark Order stuff. 
And uh, I hope that the, the leader of the Dark Order is Rebby Hardy on second thought. Because she's, she's ride or die. That's the ride or die bay. That's that's what we all hope for in love is a Rebby Hardy. <laughs> I agree. All right. Well, uh, during uh, the commercial, we had a split screen where Sammy Guevara – I love that he's using these cue cards. It comes off like – Kind of X Pac-ish, kind of Scott Hallish, but like you know, really fucking sarcastic. And he's basically calling out John Moxley throughout all of them for stealing the car. So as soon as the thing shows, Moxley drives the fucking car into the arena, and then they had a match. Now I get the the problems of some people uh, with Moxley selling a lot to Sammy Guevara, uh, but at the same time, I think the reason why is because you're looking at him like the new Austin. And I don't think he is supposed to be looked at it like that. I think that's better actually to give him more comparisons like a Terry Funk or Diamond Dallas Page because Page and Funk would get the better of them in matches. They wouldn't just be so dominant the whole entire time. He's kind of goofy. That, that, that's fucking Moxley's thing. And a lot of the stuff that was happening of how Sammy got the, the, the edge, I would feel is because he was being devious and being heelish. Well, he ends up losing, um, and then after the match, the entire inner circle showed up in the ring and attacked John Moxley, and Jericho drove a spike from his jacket into Moxley's eye. And afterwards, uh, Jericho told uh, Jennifer uh, Sturger that what happened to Moxley was his own fault, and that next week they'll do the same thing to Jurassic Express, which is going to be happening on the Jericho cruise. Um, so he advanced. This is a, a match to find out who's going to be the number one contender and we'll have the other match uh, at the end of this. But I thought it was a fun match. I get people's complaints, but that's basically how I felt about it. Uh, how did you feel, Chris, about this match in particular and then everything that transpired afterwards with Spike to the eye? Well, well, with your comparison to Terry Funk, I think I think he hit the spike to the eye, uh, <laughs> the, nail, the nail on the head, so to speak. I mean, even, but, um, even to him – even to him losing his eye is a very Terry Funk thing. Like people thinking that he's Austin is crazy to me. He's not been dominant in any kind of match. I mean, he is like a rebel, but he's also just kind of crazy like Terry Funk was. I would definitely compare him more to Terry Funk versus Jerry Lawler than I would to Austin and Austin's run. Um, they're just very different. I think that they're doing a great job. I love his promos. I love him just being fuck everyone. I'm a lone wolf kind of thing but if you had to compare like the storyline and where they're going with it, it does seem kind of like a terry funk thing um and i the way he wrestles his matches are more funk like than austin um yeah so yeah I, I i love that comparison i think that's the comparison people should go with and put the austin thing out of their mind a little bit i know it's hard because austin's like one of the goats of all time but fucking also terry funk <laughs> yeah I, I, agree. I, I like the promo I liked the car. I, I love one. I love that fucking car in general. So it's cool to see it show up. I like the Moxley stole it the previous week. I like they built off that. And I like, you got to give Sammy Guevara some offense because he is a star in the making. Like he's great to watch. If you go back and watch the promo from the last week, the ending of AEW, when he thinks Moxley joins, he's so fucking happy. <laughs> it's like the most hilarious thing. If you just focus on Sammy Guevara on the outside, it's incredible to watch. I think he's been doing a great job. He's someone that you want to hate. You know, like you just look at him, you're like, I fucking hate that guy. And that's what a heel's supposed to be. So I think he's actually doing great work. I, you know, right now he's a mid card guy, obviously, but he's doing a lot. And it makes sense for him to get some offense on 
Moxley. I mean, Moxley had a match with Joey Janela where it looked like Joey Janela was going to win. Are you saying that Joey Janela is like a hundred times better than Sammy Guevara? Like who gives a shit? Like he's not going to go in there, hit a stunner and that be the end of the match all the time or whatever, or hit the death rider. It's, it's not that. So I liked it. I liked the build. I love Jericho. I like Moxley. I think this is a great feud. Jericho just continues to impress me. And, uh, Moxley has been great since coming to AEW. So another one of these, just like Rhodes and uh, MJF, where I I just look forward to it. We have two more months until the pay-per-view. So there's so much more they can do. And by far, kicking the hour off this way, this became the better show to me as soon as this hour started. But, uh, yeah, it's fucking great. Yeah, I agree, man. I'm I'm very excited about all of it. And – I, I do think that people need to stop approaching Moxley like he's Austin. I think there's, I mean, I, there's only like one person, you know, they kind of had it with Becky, but they're kind of doing more of a McGregor thing. And that's been very apparent for a while. KO has it, but he's still kind of goofy. They don't let him go full like Kevin Steen or NXT, you know, uh, Kevin Owens. And that's always kind of been a problem. Jay Briscoe is the closest thing I could think of as like an Austin, honestly. And he's not built, obviously, you know, in AEW, but just saying, or unless you want to go to MLW with Mance Warner, he's definitely, Mance, Mance Man's going to be really big. But that personality, that type of concept puts me in the direction of a Funk, a Piper, uh, a Dallas Page, you know, someone that would give a lot of offense. It's more of like a street fighter, if you will, kind of crazy but, you know, also willing to be a little bit goofy, which Austin didn't do until, what, 2002? So Well, he didn't do it, and he didn't do it until he turned heel. And I think that's what yeah. people forget is, like, he turns heel at WrestleMania 2001, and then that shit didn't work, and then they started giving him the, the kind of the goofy Austin thing, which he's, <laughs> he's so incredible. He the got Kurt over. Angle with the small hat. <laughs> yeah, that, that's when you get some awesome. funny – <laughs> Austin, but I, I love. I I think your comparison to Terry Funk is more spot on than anything else. Um, which I'm sure Moxley would appreciate a lot. <laughs> Absolutely, knowing that he's a huge fan of Terry Funk. But uh, yeah, like uh, no one is Austin, and I I will tell you, it's going to be really hard to recreate an Austin because I don't know that you can recreate a Vince McMahon as a heel. That's, yeah, that's your very big gap. very very good point. All right, well, uh, let's move on. Uh, we had MJF, the Butcher, the Blade, with Wardlow and the Bunny in their corner going against Dustin Rhodes, QT Marshall, and Diamond Dallas Page. It was great seeing Dallas back, 64 fucking years old, doing a fucking jump to the outside. You know, he has a great interview, I think, with Chris Von Vliet uh, as well. And I don't think he wants to do much after this, but I, I feel like... This kind of proved that if he wanted to do, like, a one-last-match sort of thing, he could do it and, uh, you know, work with whoever. I know we kind of talked about that, uh, whether it be Cody or, uh, you know, uh, there's there's multiple people. I mean, the fact that Trent's from Long Island, he's got a little bit of a Diamond Dallas Page vibe uh, to me a bit, or Joey Janela, who's another crazy Jersey boy. You know, there's there's places that you could go where it could be like a fun one last match. I don't think you necessarily – or him and MJF because MJF did wear a fucking I banged DDP's daughter, who, by the way, works for the company. She actually works in the makeup department. But uh, I thought it was a fun match, cool spots, 
Um, you know, when DDP came in at the end, everyone went crazy. And he didn't do too much, but he was able to do, you know, enough. Uh, but amidst, amidst the, uh, the chaos, MJF rolled up Marshall, which is the reason why QT Marshall was in the fucking match to begin with. And, uh, yeah, that was that. How did you feel, Chris, about this match? I know that QT Marshall is like one of their trainers and, and road agent, but I don't like, I don't know that any fan really cares about this guy. It's hard to say trying to put him over. So as soon as I saw him, you kind of knew what the finish was. I thought it was great to see diamond hit the, uh, the cutter. I liked uh, Dustin doing the drop off the top to, which he doesn't do like a sunset flip Canadian destroyer. He just kind of does like, I'm going to drop down and then do a Canadian destroyer, which I'm fine with because he's old as fuck. But <laughs> for like, this kind of match just being thrown together and what it is, it makes sure it, it makes sense for MJF to get the win. One thing I loved about this match, and it's it just shows how good MJF is. He had Wardlow put the ring on his hand and then pop yes. Dustin with it, which is a very old school ass heel thing to do, and I fucking loved it. I popped I popped harder for that than anything else on the show, just because I was like, yes, it's <laughs> what you should do. <laughs> um, so I liked this match a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was fun to see uh, Dallas jump to the outside and get caught. Unlike Kevin Owens on Raw, fucking <laughs> Jesus, these uh, fucking guys. <laughs> yeah, so it was great. I, I enjoyed it. I had no problem with DDP coming back here, and I I would like one really good send off for him. I I think you could do something with MJF, and it'd be a lot of fun, and, and they could build to that. Uh, hopefully that's where they're going, but uh, yeah, I, I liked this a lot. I thought it was it was fun, and and unlike WWE, they didn't bury their legends, so I appreciated that. All right, so the to end the night, uh, we had uh, uh, Jennifer interviewing SCU when they got screwed over uh, a bit with the interview while Hangman Page drunkenly uh, bumped into everyone, spilling his liquor drink all over. Um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Christopher Daniels. Kenny Omega came in and apologized. It got a little tense, and then they promised to have a gentleman's contest next week, And but after that, Hangman Page almost knocked everyone. He reminded me of um, the episode in South Park where Stan gets really drunk, and he's telling Kyle, like, screw you, Kyle, screw you, Kyle, and Kyle walks away. He's like, no, I love you, Kyle. Come back. You can fuck yourself. You know, that was uh, that, that's what he was doing. It was fun. Uh, comment on that before we get to the uh, main event itself, Chris? No, I mean, I think this is going to be – I don't think he's going to stick with this gimmick. I mean, obviously he's drinking because he is frustrated with his situation, and then once – Do you think he's, he's going to show up, quote-unquote, hammered next week for their tag match and fuck over the whole entire thing? Possibly, but I mean – that could be the heel turn, or maybe he pretends to be drunk and then just fucks Kenny over. That would be where I would go with it. Like oh. it's just been him pretending the entire time, because then you can then you can shut the internet up about like it being a Scott Hall thing. That's what I would do: pretend to be drunk and then fucking screw Kenny over, and now you're a heel. Congratulations! There you go. I just booked your show, AEW. But um, oh. Uh, so then Pac went against Darby Allen. I thought this was an awesome match. This might have been my favorite match on the card. Uh, even with Pac, he's, he's a smaller dude, but Darby Allen's, you know, he kind of dwarfs with his muscles, Darby Allen. Darby Allen was just taking it to him. And I love that that's a part of his strategy of why it makes sense. And JR commented on this, why it makes sense for Darby to be able to work 
with his height against these bigger guys because he doesn't stop. He's so relentless because the fact is he doesn't give a shit about hurting his body. So he just keeps on coming, drop kick after drop kick. And um, Pac would inevitably win. Uh, he became the number one contender. He got a black arrow to Darby for the pin count. Uh, Pac told Tony Schiavone that he doesn't have to worry about going against anyone because he's going straight there because John Mox is obviously out. Then we see Moxley bust out of the ambulance with his uh, patch over his eye and say that he is going to be taking on Pac and he's going to win. And so we find out that not only is John Moxley going to be so just, I mean, his, his equilibrium is going to be so off if he fights with a blindfold on a ship next week, but he's also going to be a pirate. Chris, how do you feel about that? The thought of pirate John Moxley is like the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> he shows up with like a very fancy pirate coat on with mock sprayed paint on in the back. I'm going to pop. <laughs> like, it's going to be awesome. Uh, I loved it, and I think, once again, a Terry Funk comparison. Lawler, you took my Right? Like, it's great. I, I like what they're doing. I think it's awesome. The match itself, incredible. Um, my favorite commentary of both shows was both uh, JR and Tony Schiavone talking about the heart and how this man will not quit with Darby Allen and really, like you said, putting over why he, he could get this done, why he could get the job done. Um, and Darby Allen at what, at some point is going to be a huge fucking star and why I, I know why they haven't pushed him yet, but like he needs to start getting wins because the crowd loses their shit when he does that cough and drop and, He's got a, a kind of this weird Jeff Hardy sting persona going. He's just someone you want to get behind and see succeed. And uh, hopefully that gets done sooner rather than later. But this is a fucking great match. And once again, Neville slash Pac, he hasn't had a bad match in AEW. So props to that guy. That's another guy that like you could push to the moon as a heel once you get past God, some of the center circle stuff. His natural intensity and how he comes off reminds me of Savage. Like, not to the same, like, level, but, like, he comes off like he might be like that in real life. Like, you have no idea if Pac is, like, that, you know, kind of uh, crazy, if you will, which I completely did. And I love Darby. I love I love JR, you know, calling him. I think he called him the reckless enigma, and he goes, I know another enigma, and kind of, like, left it at that. So it's, like, putting those thoughts in your head. But uh, just awesome shit, man. Uh, let's let's go over NXT a little bit. I want to talk about some main things. Uh, we'll we'll leave the dusty stuff for last. Uh, but other than that, we had basically the undisputed era coming out attacking everyone. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa, Ciampa would be saved by Johnny Gargano, uh, and that would end up DIY is now going to be facing uh, Mustache Mountain, which is fucking awesome. Kind of like a dream tag match from two eras of NXT. Uh, we also know that Finn Balor is going against uh, Ilya Dragunov, which should be fucking awesome as well. I'm really looking forward to this, to this uh, crossover <laughs> NXT NXT UK uh, thing. Um, we had, I'm trying to think of like, besides the Dusty Classic stuff. Um, oh, it's like Isaiah War- Swerve Scott is going to be going against Angel Garza. Uh, Shane Strickland and Angel Garza have been have fought many a times in the past. I thought that was a damn good uh, match. And uh, I think the main thing that we should take away from this, and I know you want to talk about mainly one of them, 
is that we have the next people going on. The, the Broser weights actually beat Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. I thought it was an awesome fucking match. Dude, Mark Andrews is incredible. He is another one of those guys on that Phoenix. Um, you know, when it comes to moving his body a certain way, just I can't believe what he can do with it. It's crazy. And then we have the returning Alex Shelley and Kushida losing to the ex-champs, the grizzled young veterans, Zach Gibson and James Drake. I'm not going to say that it's bad to lose to that tag team because that's been one of the pushed tag teams, and Zach Gibson is the second champion of the U.K. And I know that apparently Alex Shelley hasn't had a full-time thing, but he's been working with the talent uh, at Full Sail in the back as a trainer, a part-time trainer. So I don't know if he fully wants to commit to coming out and wrestling. At the same time, I think it kind of sucks because I'd like to see them as a tag team. I think that Alex Shelley could talk for Kushida and kind of help out with the language barrier there. And they are a very efficient tag team. I don't know if this comes down to Alex Shelley's commitment level, but I'd like to see them have a couple more matches within NXT. I think they kind of showed they got screwed over, so they, they want to have something more. Uh, but I know you're specifically looking forward to that, Chris. Um, what, what do you have to say about any of the stuff that I just talked about pertaining to NXT, especially with the match with Alex Shelley and Kushida? Losing the Bruiserweight match, uh, the Bruiserweight match was easily the best thing on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW. That shit was fucking incredible. Those two teaming together awesome. is a, a sight to behold, and it was fucking awesome. Kushida and Alex Shelley, they did not lose a step as a tag team. They looked fucking great. The match wasn't as good as the one before it, but it, it is what it is. I hate that they lost because if they didn't lose next in the tournament would be them versus the undisputed error. I feel like you could have drugged that out one more, one month yep. more to give us that match, Agreed. you know, um, DIY getting back together. I, I'm okay with it. It's a little weird considering the injury cut that last feud a bit short. And now they're just kind of friends again um, without but any resolution in between. Matter. Yeah, but that match is going to be awesome, so I don't really care. <laughs> Good point, Dane. <laughs> Tim versus Mustache Mountain is going to be fucking awesome. Um, I like the tag tournament. I wish that they did more. I think the one thing that NXT is lacking is the entertainment, like the sports entertainment aspect, which I hate to say because it, that if Vince hears this, he's going to fuck it up. But <laughs> the video packages and stuff that they do are so good. I think they need a little bit more. And each of these tag teams should have their own subset of stories of why they want to try to win the belts. That would, I think that would make this mean a bit more. But all the wrestling on the show so far was, was fucking great. And uh, Undisputed well, Air, fucking everybody up. Did we talk about them attacking Keith Lee yet? Or? Well, no, I, and we'll go into that. I did want to add to something that you just said. To be fair, of, of the criticism I give to AEW with trying to make sure you keep in the loop with their YouTube stuff, I feel like with this whole entire against NXT UK, they really expect the audience to be watching NXT UK to get their side of the story, which I don't think is a smart idea. Sorry. Yeah, and I think it doesn't have to be like long video packages, but like 30 seconds of why the titles are important to them and why this Dusty Rhodes classic is important to them and, and how much Dusty means to them and how much this tournament means to them. Like think of like old school Royal Rumble promos where you're drawing your number and you talk about how you're going to win and what it means for your career, like 90 shit. Do that. Like you don't have to like make the whole show that, but just show us some personalities from some of these guys. Like the Grizzled Young Vets, 
Like, I don't, I mean, I'm sure they've cut a promo at some time, but I don't remember it at all. So tell me a little bit about them and why I should care about them, especially if you're going to put them over the time splitters. That's, that's an example. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, they've been uh, going after a lot of people. It's been, like, talked about how, like, every time, you know, Velveteen Dream being the first one, uh, Johnny Gargano, someone is a problem. The Undisputed Era attacks all of them, and they obviously did it at the beginning uh, with, um, whatchamacallit, uh, I can't remember, um, Baskin is glory. Uh, oh, Keith, Keith Lee. And then later on would try to do the same thing against um, – Tommaso Ciampa, where Gagano came out, and then Keith Lee came out. And Keith Lee's going after that fucking title, and I think he's going to get it off of Roderick Strong. Like I said, I would not be surprised if if all members don't have belts by the end of that takeover in Portland. I, I could easily see that, because I, I think that you're it's time to rotate some talent cocky. out the top. Yeah, they're getting too cocky, and... I, Maybe they're going to be a mainstay. I, I don't know. NXT is weird because you would like to think that Adam Cole should be up top at some point, right? Like, uh, I, I just don't know what Vince – I think Vince sees more keenly than he does see in any of the Undisputed Era, which is sad. Um, but being that, you know, the Revival's probably losing, they'll try to fill that tag team spot. That would be the next – to me, the next answer would be undisputed error in some form or format i just don't think it'll be as good which sucks uh keith lee definitely i think he's picking up that title there's a huge push behind him he's fucking great now what i'll say about the show with them attacking him they put his leg in the chair and then stomped on the chair and then later like he's running around like nothing happened to him um and pouncing fuckers which i was like didn't his ankle get like broken earlier but uh I don't know. Maybe yeah. he charged up like Goku. Hit hit the actual spirit bomb. You know, <laughs> charged up. Uh, now I love Keith Lee, but that was like a like uh, something that obviously stood out like a sore thumb to me. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's let's go over this really quickly for the uh, Worlds Collide, which is next weekend. We have Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley going against each other. Uh, Tony's beaten Rhea Ripley twice now, I believe, in the past. Uh, we have a fatal four-way for the NXT Cruiserweight. We know that, obviously, Angel Garza, the champion, is going to be there. Isaiah Swerve Scott won. I'm not 100% sure. I think this already happened, but either Jordan Devlin or Legero, and then either Brian Kendrick or Travis Banks. My guess would be Devlin and Banks because they're two of the biggest stars over there. No offense to Brian Kendrick, who's obviously helping Sean train people over there uh, because he's a huge trainer. And Legero, I just feel like if you don't let Dor- Devlin – the the uh, the Irish ace win that would be just kind of silly. Then Imperium, Walter, Fabian Eichner, Marcel Bartel, Alexander Wolf going against the Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, uh, Roderick Strong, and Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, Mustache Mountain going against DIY and Ilya Dragunov, uh, who is getting bigger and bigger over there against Finn Balor. Chris, are you excited about this pay per view? I believe it is next Saturday. I'm super stoked on it, and I, I think I kind of missed it when we were talking about it earlier, but I like that uh, the setup for Finn Balor versus Ilya was just Finn Balor being like, I think I'll fight this guy after, like, watching some of his matches or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was the bill. <laughs> so, like, think- speaking of speaking of Goku, he's like, that guy seems pretty strong. I think I'll fight him. <laughs> like. Do you think that there's a possibility to kind of counteract this weird 
uh, entity that Ilya's kind of created with the, you know, the contacts and stuff. Do you think this is the first time that we might see the demon come out from NXT? Uh, no, I, I feel like they're saving it. I, hopefully, they're Portland. saving it and turning it. Yeah, or you see, either saving it for Portland or saving it for Velveteen Dream down the road, who eventually yeah. is going to come back as like the top guy, I would think, right? Like, yeah, you know, fucking put yeah, the chest on him so. already. So, uh, yeah, I like, think, you know, Velveteen Dream, though, that, that, those personalities, the demon versus Velveteen Dream, especially if the demon is a heel at that point, I, I think that would be my move, but I could be wrong. I don't know. They pull the trigger on that shit so often, but he, he used to do that for all the takeovers. So I would assume he, if he's going to do it, Portland would be the, the spot. Absolutely. I'm almost positive there was also a women's battle royal that happened to determine the, uh, the championship. I can't find the list of the people in it, but I think the biggest thing Mercedes Martinez showed up. That a uh, uh, Shayna Baszler showed up, and they had a uh, stare off. But I can't remember who won it. Chris, do you remember offhand? Bian- yes, Bianca Belair Bianca won Belair. the Battle Royals. That's right. She took out awesome. Io. Io. Uh, Io fucked up Shayna Baszler, but lost to Bianca Belair, who was they had a great. They the la- what I would say is the last like three minutes of that Battle Royal was great. Uh, when there was like three or four people left, but the you know the rest of it was a WWE NXT Battle Royal where just none of the shit mattered. Keegan Knox got hit with a leg brace in the head. And I'm like, well, that serves her right for cheating all those all those times with her giant fucking knee brace. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> no, all jokes aside, I mean, it was a strong showing for Bianca, um, for EO. I, uh, Bianca Belair is great and i think they should move her to the main roster to get her away from some of these other people that they're building because i feel like that she yeah. could be someone that could challenge becky very believably and have great matches um and not have to cut promos and shit she can just show up and just whip people's ass um but yeah she she was great and uh watch the last like two minutes of that dane if you the, like if maybe you missed it but like the shit they did with like her and eo st- like eo stepping on the she steps on bianca's hair which is like oh, used to be Bianca's weapon. And she starts like hitting her in the head. And then Bianca just like hard whips her head around. And EO takes this great back bump and like rolls over. Jesus. Like if you pulled a rug out from someone. <laughs> so that spot was kind of cool. The last, like I said, and, and uh, EO put like a chokehold in the ropes, kind of uh, like think like. Uh, it was like, you know, she had her spider webbed in the ropes and like started choking her out uh, before Bianca Bel- Belair interfered and kind of tossed both of them out. But it, it was, yeah, I it guess, was really fucking great, dude. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess I got, I guess I got sleepy during that time period, but uh, I'll go back and check it out again. But anyways, guys, that was another wonderful show of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We'll have another one for you guys Thursday, 7 p.m. EST. Uh, thank you so much, brother Christopher Patton, for joining me like always. And, uh, yeah, guys, if you want to uh, hit us up on Twitter, Chris, give me your handles and anything that you want to say for plugs. Uh, yeah, you can hit me at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. If you like hockey, check out Skates Through It's podcast. Got a new show coming for you. One just posted on Tuesday, so that's out there for everyone to listen to. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of it for me, man. And uh, sorry we didn't get to talk about Raw and SmackDown. A lot of news. Uh, yes. 
Hey, they were actually good shows besides a couple of things, so check them out if you want. But, you know, we, we covered the good stuff. Anyways, and you guys can catch me at DaneL42 on Twitter. Also go to our website, geekfivesnation.com, for the best in news for geek subjects. And uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Geek Fives Nation. Also, we're on iTunes and every other sound platform, SoundCloud, Spotify. So if you don't want to listen to us live on Block Talk, check us out there. You guys have a great day, and let the Geek Fives be with you. Peace out. Hola. It's the mayor of Slamtown, Johnny Mundo, a.k.a. Johnny Impact, FKA, John Morrison, sometimes known as Johnny Gimmick Name, and you're listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. <laughs>